podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. After the first day of the third LV Insurance Test Match, this podcast is in association with LV Insurance, the sponsors of the Test Series. And, well, you know, bizarre is obviously the first word that comes to mind. But actually also, uh, there's a sort of deja vu about it too, because it's something like 10 years since that similarly bizarre day in Melbourne, uh, Boxing Day Test Match, when... England were really up against it. Australia had won the previous test in Perth and were back to one all in the series. And you really felt Boxing Day, Australia, they're going to really dominate. They were bowled out for 98 and England were 150 for naught at the end of the day's play. And today, you know, a sort of similarly extraordinary circumstance where Coley wins his first ever toss, practically, uh, playing against England uh, with England at home understandably decides to bat first. I mean, we can debate that, obviously. But Ging gets uh, rolled for 78, and now England 120 for none. So, I mean, just the whole series turned on its head in six hours. Yeah, absolutely perfect day for England. I mean, it's it's a mugs game, isn't it? Trying to forecast what's going to happen next between uh, these two sides. Yeah, England had a, a an MCG day, a Trent Bridge day. I mean, think back to 2015 when they bowled Australia out for 60 and they were 274 for four at the close. Okay, they're not quite as advanced as that. But they are in a sort of equally uh, dominant position with no wickets down. You know, great day for for lots of England individuals, really. When you when you think about it, uh, not least Hamid getting through and and, and making a half century. He had a bit of luck to to get to his half century with that nick through the slips and Rohit Sharma not able to to grasp the chance. But you know, excellent day for him. Overton coming back into the side. I mean, he, when he's played for England, they've normally lost, but they've got a great opportunity here, and. After what happened at Lords on that last day, that sort of really, something it wasn't quite humiliating, but it it felt a little bit like that for England that India really steamrolled them to come back and do what they've done today. You know, is is remarkable. Two Mm. hugely contrasting days of cricket, and of course the other thing that happened today as well, which is worth noting uh, when you think back to Lords, that partnership on the last day between uh, Bumrah and Shami, and what happens today, of course. Both out first ball. Absolutely astonishing. Let's talk about the toss decision then, y'all. So Cody winning the toss. What I thought was interesting about it was how decisive Coley was at the toss. He, he said, yeah, we, we, obviously you've got to make a decision. Yeah, we're going to bat first. And he, I, I really got a strong impression from him listening to his interview that he thought this, is going to be, this pitch is going to be dry later on. You know, get enough runs in the first innings and it's going to spin and, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy batting last. And Joe Root then saying, you know, it was a bit tacky. So I, I sort of got from Coley that he thought the pitch was dry and going to get drier. And from Joe Root, who didn't really commit himself, saying you know it was a bit tacky and the overheads were were favouring England. Of course, it is Joe Root's home ground. Uh, mm. you, you said you weren't surprised that Coley batted first. Well, I mean, you know, it's the old adage, isn't it? If you win the toss, you seventy percent of the time you bat first. The other thirty percent of the time you think about fielding first and 
and actually still bat first. I mean, maybe 20% of the time and 10% of the time you, you put the other team in. Runs on the board are, are so important in Test cricket, although uh, that's the, the, as I say, that's the old adage. But Nathan Lehman and amongst others, the sort of, you know, the guru of analysis and, and, and kind of um, stats and doing the what he calls the Monte Carlo simulator, putting thousands of matches into a, a processor and working out what is the best strategy when you win the toss in certain situations at certain grounds, has come up with well, you know, in the past has come up with the fact that often it's the best day to bat is the second and third day of a test match. And actually, the first day is always almost invariably difficult. I mean, reading pitches is terribly difficult. Even the the guys at home often struggle to get their pitches right or, you know, read their pitches right. Often also you think, well, these uh, pitches are maybe a little bit tacky to start with, but it'll flatten out. The best time to be batting will be the first and second day. If you get over the first hour or two, it should flatten out. But the history of, of Headingley is that actually it seems to get better over time. So batting later in the match is probably the best thing to do. And also, if you are going to bat first and you think it's dry and it's going to spin later, why only play one spinner? Well, there there is that to it, and you know he did say that we did think about playing a second spinner, but of course I think what, what they like, and it's it's worked them pretty well in the first uh, two Test matches. It, it you know this idea of playing four pace bowlers. I mean, it does seem incredible that they're leaving out Ravi Chandrashwin, who's the number two ranked bowler in the world. He's got over four hundred Test wickets, and it's dry. They think it's going to spin uh, later in the game. I mean, he did and England say have got five left-handers as well. Yeah, yeah, and he, he he did say at the toss though. You know, you don't know whether you're going to be batting first or batting second you know it's one of those well you know if you bat first you know you probably think well yeah we'd quite like to have a a couple of spinners but you you can't guarantee that obviously obviously you can't so I I wonder what I mean I wonder what Joe Root would have done he didn't say at the toss he didn't commit himself he sort of said well you know it's a really it's a really difficult one um you know we're not too bothered that we've lost the toss you know we think the pitch is a bit tough I mean I wouldn't be surprised yeah the trouble is of course you you know he's got to factor in the fact that at Laws he won the toss and stuck India in and they were 120 for none um so you you put that into the equation but I suspect given the, the, the confidence he had in putting India in at Lords, he would have probably done the same uh, with, with India because he, he's he probably slightly worried about his own batting strength and also realises that England's strength is in, in seam bowling so any slight advantage they might have he probably invest in and field first so I wouldn't be surprised if he was hugely relieved when Coley decided to bat first. But, but we're, talk, we're talking about the toss. But it, 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 there was a quite a lot of swing. I mean, swing was a, was a feature today, wasn't it? Mm. As well, and we're yeah. not we're not we're yeah. not talking about sort of prodigious movement. There was some there was something in the pitch uh, for for the bowlers early on, and of course Anderson bowled beautifully. I mean, he, we 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 haven't got any words left for Jimmy Anderson. We, we've we've established that this summer. We've we've run out of all the superlatives. Well, well, no, but, we, we but haven't. He, but he, no, that you're right. We haven't got words left for him. Uh, we haven't got any words except a word could be evolution in that he's bowled better at Headingley in the last couple of times he's been there than before because he's been prepared to pitch it up a bit more and again going back to old adages don't drive at Headingley in the morning uh, early on in your innings it's just one of those grounds where driving the ball even a half volley is quite risky against a new ball and Anderson took a long time to take that on board but now he's realised it and two of his first three wickets were pretty much half volleys. But they just did enough to take the edge. Yeah, K.O. Rahul's one of them. 
uh, driving at, at Anderson and Virat Kohli was another uh, driving at Anderson. But he was just getting the ball to do a little bit away, a little bit in. You know, then the scramble scene, which way was it going to go? Was it going to go out or in? I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, he doesn't give much away as well. He was right on target. Eight overs, five maidens, three for six. Um, yeah, fantastic bowling. And it, it sort of broke open India's top order. Mind you, I watched a, I've been watching a test match over the last five days where Pakistan were two for three. Um, you know, two runs for three wickets and still came back to win the match. So, you know, it, it, you, know you can come back from a, a difficult situation. And they got to, they got just, just the lunch and they, they battled through. And I thought they were sort of just beginning to sort of, uh, you know, find their feet a little bit, India. And I thought that fourth wicket just before lunch of Rahani gave England such a lift. It was, a, it was a, actually quite a big moment in the day. And then after lunch, we had that clatter of wickets. I thought India were going for the yeah sixty-seven all out at Headingley and win the game uh, option. Remember, you know, England last Test match was there. England was sixty-seven all out, and they were they went on to win the match. I thought India go, oh yeah, we can be bowled out for sixty-seven <laughs> and still win this Test match because they, they went from sixty-five, uh, sorry, sixty-seven for five to sixty-seven for nine. It was incredible. Was it four wickets and six balls? It was a bit like that Andy Caddick over against the West Indies when he took. Four wickets in an over. An absolutely rampant day for England. One of those days where sort of everything you do just about goes your way. I mean, you, you must have had mm. days like that, you know, with, with Middlesex. And you must have had days playing for Middlesex where, you know, everything went wrong as well. Yeah, and, and actually you had both of those uh, instances or experiences in the day today, didn't you? Where one where every edge seemed to go through to the keeper or uh, caught at slip and... Um, and then when England batted, nothing could get past. I mean, we'll talk about the England batting a bit later, but uh, certainly you get it's a bit of a sort of forlorn experience when you, you find late in the day that you just can't seem to even buy a wicket, really. Um, you're right, actually, about Rahani's wicket because you know they felt that they'd seen off that sort of awkward stage and it was Craig Overton and uh, a little bit of Sam Curran bowling and you sort of felt India could rebuild and... Pant kind of take rather tamely got out straight after lunch as well, and suddenly and that that's the thing about India they are fragile still. If you can get that top order out, there's you know and and we obviously we, their tail wagged at Lords in the second innings, but generally speaking, averages don't lie, and Boomer is still averaging only five despite that innings at Lords. Shami is just a walking wicket a lot of the time, and. So that so that proved today. So you, you know, I, I, if you break the back of that top order, you do feel if the ball's doing something, you've got a great chance of really routing them, which England did. Yeah, I mean, when I did my prediction for the series for, for the BBC Sport website, I said two-one India. This feels like their great opportunity, of course, it, and it it still could be two-one. Is there, you know that that's still very much on in the, in this series. But one one proviso was that. India's batting has been fallible in English conditions, and if England can exploit that, you know, then they can be successful in this series. And you know, there's, there's still a long way to go, of course. But we saw, I think, we saw that today. The ball did a little bit, and there was that there was that fallibility, and England were able to work their way through. And as you say, you know, they got them, you know, they got that lower order in under pressure, and it's such a different game, of course, totally different game of cr- cricket when you're when you're under pressure. The, the, the psychology of it is. Is absolutely fascinating. We saw that Lords when England came out to bat on the final day. They really felt the pressure on them because when the openers came out today, there wasn't that quite that same pressure. There obviously is pressure, but there isn't that same same intensity 
because you, you, you know you you bowl the opposition out for seventy eight. You're on you're on a high, and the bowlers suddenly have got to for the Indian bowlers have got to try and drag their team back into the game. You go searching a little bit, and then you know if, if a few boundaries go early as they did, then you you know you think goodness me, the lead is only fifty now. You know it's only the first day, and, uh, and so the psychology of the of the game completely different. So, well, well I mean, extraordinary days cricket the psychology of the game is an interesting area to explore because you know the, the way heads drop or heads rise according to the state of the game and the in india at the end there their heads were dropping so low that they couldn't even take p- potential chances and there were misfields and overthrows and it's extraordinary how bodies the body language just sort of sags and your optimism just is expired and that is the difference. The balance of power sort of shifts so much in those psychological battles, which England have obviously won. Everything England did worked for them. Curran got the ball to swing, didn't he, as well? So, you know, people were saying Sam Curran should have been left out. You know, why didn't Overton play for Curran and, and Saki Mahmood play for Wood? Well, Curran got in, in on the act today, uh, two swingers into the pads, which is, you know, that's the, that's his method for getting people out, isn't it? Getting the right-handers out, hit, hitting the pad, getting onto that pad, or just getting them to play a play a ball they shouldn't outside the off stump and, and nicking it through so he did he did well today Overton far, absolutely fine Anderson uh, superb and Robinson uh, chipping in as well and one other thing you know Moen got the ball to turn whether that was first day turn I'm not sure there was a bit of turn early on and I just wonder if England do get a big enough lead Virat Kohli talked about it at the toss I just wonder whether Moen might come into the game uh, as it goes on as well if England were able to get say a 250-300 uh, first innings lead which is not absolutely impossible from here not but not by any means so you know so much going England's way but a century partnership yours England's first uh, home century stand uh, for six years, so there's a there's a stat for you. First ho- home century stand for six years, and also um, when a team has passed the other team, no wickets down. That's happened 25 times in the history of Test cricket. The the team who's done it have won 21 of those matches by an innings. So mm. yeah, you know, so some some good stats for for England this evening. Yeah, and also it's India's third lowest score on the first day of a test being bowled out as well. Uh, they've had a couple of 50s, I think, and this 78 was the third lowest. So uh, good good stuff by, by England. And 120 for none uh, overnight, which, uh, as you say, is that it's the first century stand for 26 opening innings. The last time was Sibley and, uh, and Burns away from home. It's the 22nd opening partnership since Andrew Strauss retired. Amazing uh, different uh, combinations England have put out to open. The latest Burns and Hamid, 120 partnership, unbroken. And I suppose what summed the day up really was the fact that uh, Hamid uh, got to 50, having played almost flawlessly with an edge through the slips, which Rohit Sharma couldn't even get to and went straight to the boundary. Uh, The the Indian fielding sort of unravelling towards the end of the the day's play. Just another example of, of the psychological shift. You can never have enough interesting cricket among children in the UK with the game a force for good in getting children socialising and exercising. LV Insurance and ECB's £1 million Fund for Runs Community Initiative has provided an opportunity for Beacon Cricket Club to rapidly improve and grow their youth club. The Cornwall-based club, which is located within an area of deprivation, 
aims at utilising these funds to offer free membership for the underprivileged and also provide them with more youth cricket kits. They'll be also using the grant to improve the facilities, hire more qualified coaches and build a team for the under-11s, which they believe is one of the most talented groups of players in the country. Can't wait to see how they get on and we'll report back in a later podcast. So England at the close, 120 for no wicket. That's a lead of 42. I don't think we need your who's winning graphic uh, this evening, yours, to tell us who's winning. But perhaps what might be interesting is what percentage chance India have of getting back in this game and, and, and going on to win the game. Because Eng- England in such a dominant position. I mean, it's one of those days that you know you have so rarely in Test cricket. So looking at this, uh, it's not just... Uh, India that are really low on the the ground. They're actually they're actually below the draw as well. So what what sort of percentage is that? It looks like about four percent, three percent. Is it's it? three, three three percent three percent for India, and seven percent the draw, ninety percent England, and it, it and really from about midway through the first hour when Anderson had taken those three quick early wickets, the graph went from. India, 50% chance of winning. England, 25% at the toss and 25% draw. So India with the clear advantage and won the toss. Within about 45 minutes, the England and India lines had crossed over and England were, were soaring and India were plummeting. Yeah, and it's absolutely no surprise that yeah the lines sort of continued to go in opposite directions, and then they sort of plateaued out by about the third hour when India sort of you know they well they'd reached a sort of an idea, then and it just sort of just continued, didn't it? That you know when England gradually mm. began to build that that first innings uh, score, that first innings century partnership, the the fifth time England, England's openers have gone past the opposition score, and two of those were 110 years ago. So you know it's pretty rare that that happens in Test cricket. Only only the fifth time uh, for England. So just looking ahead to this game, I mean we've got, still got four days left. The weather forecast is pretty good. We think it might spin at the back end. What what is India's potential way uh, back into the game? I mean, it's it's hard to see them. I know they've got a very good attack, but you think England from here, and you know th- these predictions can can make a, a, a fool of us. But it, it's hard to see England not getting at least a lead, a, a very minimum of two hundred really from here. They're already forty two ahead. They've got ten wickets in hand. You know, India's confidence you, you feel will be low. England's will be high. So it's going to be. You think it'd be a minimum two hundred, and England mm. will be looking for. Well, in the region of 300, 350 if they, if they possibly can. And if they get there, they're still going to be two and a half days left in the game. India are going to need to score 500 or you know, something like that in their second innings to stay in the game. Which, of course, they did do, actually, at Headingley mm. a few years ago. I remember 100 from Dravid and a Tendulkar and Ganguly. Remember, Ganguly hit a massive six and it landed on some bloke's head and cut his head open. And that was a phenomenal performance by that sort of Indian three Galacticos. But... Uh, I think one of the key things was in England not losing a wicket in that last three or four overs because it means that those openers are out there again in the morning uh, to see off the, the early threat. It will do a bit more tomorrow morning, undoubtedly. It always does a headingly. So to have those two openers who've got the, to grips with the, the, the conditions still with their wickets intact, and one might go early in the morning, but it's just a, such a fantastic psychological edge to have those two still at the wicket 
to walk out tomorrow morning and obviously a psychological deflation for the Indians knowing they've got to go back and have another go at the England openers again. Uh, I mean, it's going to do a bit more in the morning. England just have to play with resources. And I think, you know, one of the excellent aspects of that opening stand was not just that they defended the good balls, but that they scored as well. They scored, they hit some boundaries, they rotated the strike, they both received almost exactly the same number of balls, but there was a purpose to the way they batted. And it's interesting how, you know, when Burns and Sibley batted together, it was almost like they becalmed each other. But somehow, Hamid seems to... I mean, maybe I'm, I don't know if I'm imagining it, but he just seems to have energised Burns a little bit. Burns was looking busy and working balls just wide of mid-wicket for a single. Hamid was looking to try and, you know, if it was over-pitched, to try and work it wide of mid-on. Obviously, put away the bad balls that, that Ishant Sharma bowled to him. So, you know, the per- it's not, it wasn't rapid scoring rate, but it was nearly three and over. And that's so important because it just keeps the scoreboard moving, keeps the bowlers on their toes, keeps the field back rather than crowding round you, knowing that you're going to make a mistake shortly and you're not looking to play a shot. So it, it, it really has a, a big effect having that intent, even as an opening pair who are quite cautious. Yeah, one, one thing that struck me is Hamid hit two offside boundaries fairly on fairly early on in his innings and I was thinking I wonder if Sibley would have hit those two balls before I think there's one of them he wouldn't have done because one was a sort of squeeze away and it was a slightly risky shot but there was a shortish ball outside the off stump which he cuffed away off Ishant Sharma early on I, and I sort of had that thought in the back of my mind I, I wonder how Sibley would have played that would he have just left it and let it go through to the mm, wicket keeper I bet he would yeah and so yeah. It, it, it is that intent isn't it that, and that ability to score through the offside and actually what happened afterwards straight after that Ishant was bowling wide and he got hit for two fours and he bowled straight and so and Isham, uh, Hammy was able to clip him through mid-wicket for two and so you know that was the bowler coming to him after you know, you'd, earned, you'd earned those two runs by hitting the, the two through the offside and it was just a little s- small part of the day but anyway, Dom Sibley's gone for now and Hamid has, has taken his opportunity, mm. you know, it, fa- fantastically well. He, he did have a little bit of luck that we mentioned the drop, the drop chance. And also there were early, quite early on, there was an inside edge just past his leg stump as well. But um, it, it, it's a great story. The, you know, the, like the, the renaissance really of Hamid after all his struggles, great start. And we, you know, we, the problems at Lancashire and he gradually got his game together. And it was, it was, I think it was wonderful to see it. I think there's, there's a lot of goodwill towards uh, Hamid. Everyone really enjoyed what he did in India uh, when he started his test match career. And so, you know, tomorrow, I think that, 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 that feeling of goodwill will be behind him to try and um, move him towards uh, three figures. And that, that, of course, will be his goal. And it will be Burns's goal uh, in the morning as well. And, of course, uh, as a result, we definitely should award the LV Insurance In With Heart Award to Hazib Hamid today because not only for his battles in this series, but just generally to, to come back from the dead effectively, uh, having had a really quite purposeful start to his test career, then disappeared without trace at Lancashire and having two absolutely woeful seasons and basically being sacked and then trying to re- reinvigorate his career at Notts and finally doing so and sticking at it. And even after that first ball, horrible duck at Lords, looking a little bit better in the second innings, but now uh, really sort of re- restored to something close to what he showed when he first played against India in that test series five years ago. So congratulations to him. And as you say, uh, some purposeful shots we can just see on a, a wagon wheel graphic here. 
Uh, ten fours, actually, in that 50. So, in a way, good signs that he was purposeful, but perhaps also a few more singles could have been had because ten fours out of 51, is uh, it means there weren't that many singles, actually, in 113 balls. So that's just a little area that perhaps he can work on. I like the way that he plays the ball so late and, and drops it almost at his feet, and that's opportunities for singles, which I think will be recognised uh, in due course as his partner starts to understand him better. Look at all those those people listening on the podcast won't be able to see it, but look at all those offside boundaries as well that we that we've sort of missed from from an England right-handed opener. Why why is there so much? Why do people take so much pleasure in offside play? I think I think it's probably more it's called the posh side, isn't it? <laughs> well, I suppose it is. Yeah. Uh, here, here's just one thought, Yoz, before we go. Uh, what a what a day for David Milan today. You know, recalled back in the side, 33 years of age. But he had to sit and wait and watch while that opening partnership was going. You know, it was all that. I just imagine all that nervous energy uh, that David Milan uh, used up today. I uh, didn't, you know, hardly saw him in the field. Didn't field in the slip cordon. Uh, but you know, big day for him back in the side. And you know, if you're an England number three, you, with a re, you know, there's a reasonable expectation that you could be in pretty early on or any moment because of the way uh, England's top order has gone. But n- not required. You know, just sitting there for for three hours on his return. Just sort of waiting, watching. I saw him doing some shadow batting at one point in that dressing room. Anyway, he'll get he'll get his chance tomorrow. But uh, you, know, you think you think of a player sort of used up so much energy with that heart, with you know, but did, didn't do very much at all on that first day. Anyway, uh, amazing day for England, really. Uh, so, so dominant. Uh, I wonder if India can force their way uh, back in the game. But so, just just one final question to you, Yoz. Would England take a minimum 200 lead from here? If I offered you a 200 lead from here, or, or, or would they be much greedier than that, do you think? Well, I mean, that means 278, so no. Yeah. I'd, I think absolutely more that. They've got to aim for 400 plus. They must aim for a 300 lead. And if they if they get that, there's no guarantee they'll win, but that gives them a massive opportunity to win. India could still draw the game, but if, if they get 300, so you know, you're looking at uh, another 200 and... 200 odd runs aren't you 250 runs say to, to where they are now that should take them maybe most of the day tomorrow still leaves three days for India to bat and be bowled out and England to chase whatever runs they need so uh, it's looking good it also if that does happen it also allows India to get 500 and bowl England out on the on the final day anyway that's the worst case scenario or best case scenario uh, for India uh, that's what they'll be looking at but uh, for, for them a really really chastening day we'll be back to review the second day of this test match when England will hope to have those 300 runs in the bank whether they will or not well we'll find out tomorrow Uh, thanks very much for listening Uh, goodbye for now Podcast Network.